All right, folks, welcome back to the Ice Mountain to our basketball podcast. Yeah, we're back, two in a week. We'll have another one, too, later this week. Um, win or lose, rain or shine, Nevada, Utah State, win or not. We're here. Eli Betker, talking hoops. We made it. Yes, we did. Now it's March Madness week. It feels like Christmas is about to come, but I am super stoked to now have two teams in the NCAA tournament again. Purdue and Washington? Yeah, and we got Utah State and uh, Nevada. <laughs> I was going with your teams. <laughs> <laughs> See, people ask, like, what, what is it? Who, what, right, what is this right. thing? I'm like, hey, just saying, you got to mix up. My teams, my actual teams, oh, not very good. Um, <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, obviously, bracket stuff. We're going to talk uh, Florida. We're going to talk Washington. We're going to talk just um, who our picks are. Like, should Houston be my Final Four pick? I don't know. Hmm. Should I be able to change my picks since I inadvertently tweeted out my screenshot last night? So here's my picks. I'm like, that's the wrong bracket. <laughs> so, oh, man. Maybe I will change because there might be one or two I put a couple bucks on. Maybe I'll make tweaks to those. Because I, here's the thing. I don't want to be a person who makes like 10 different brackets because that's lame. But if you want to, I don't care either. Mm-hmm. So I if I, when I typically do this type of thing, I make I, – I've gone years where I haven't done a bracket. It's great. I'm fine with it. Uh, I couldn't do that. You couldn't? No, I couldn't do that. I've done that where – because I saw Mike Prater who is it, um, up in Idaho. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, okay, cool. I've done it. It's fine because it doesn't matter if you're. Because here's the thing: I see people get so upset about their stupid brackets. Like, why put yourself through the pressure? If it makes you that upset. No, oh, for sure. Yeah, I, if you're if you're like that, but I do it because then I can have a rooting interest in every game. Like, I I think it's more fun for this than it is for fantasy sports. I this was the first year I didn't do fantasy football, and that was the most enjoyable experience watching football throughout the season. So I don't have to worry about having to root for this player and root against this player, but. The bracket is always a good time. Yeah, I like. I usually do. Usually, just make the single one bracket, and you're done with it. Mm-hmm. I sub. I sometimes I make a tweaks to a couple, like because I'll start one here, and I like I did last night. I'm making tweaks to one on CBS, one on USA Today, one on ESPN because everybody wants you to just hang out and join. I typically make the same one. I'm like, oh, I made a tweak here just because. <laughs> so I yeah. may, I probably have like three that are ninety seven percent the same. But one of them I may have like Oregon winning instead of Wisconsin or UC Irvine or New Mexico State instead of like, oh, well, mm-hmm. it's just one. <laughs> so that happens too. I try to make just one because – but if you want to make 25 different ones and put $25 in every bracket and hope you come out even by winning one of those. <laughs> yeah, what what I usually do is I, I make a ton like in the days leading up to it as I am right now until I get to where I feel confident – in just like my one standard bracket so i'll have that and then i'll have my homer bracket we'll all have like either purdue or washington winning it all just i mean just because why not yeah of course so oh, i had something good i was gonna say um join our usa tape bracket i guess i forget what i was gonna say i had something to come up about <laughs> bracket stuff but yeah we have a group over at usa today go to, i tweaked it so there was two i made i made an inadvertent error on one that is told hey let's use this other one but um, so if you go back to our page, it's pinned to one of the top five, and I tweeted that a couple of times. NWC Wire. It's one that's with USA Today. It's easier to use as well because the other one, well, mobile. A few people DM me say, "Hey, I can't really see my pics on mobile or pat, iPad or tablet." But so we t- we tweaked it, we switched it. So if you, you sign up for the first one, stick with it. Cool, there might be five people in there. The other one should have much more. <laughs> but go to the main one, and if you beat me, beat Eli, beat um. I know Matt Kendall is like, yeah, I'll do hoops. I don't care about hoops, but I'll do a bracket. <laughs> Those mean, are the ones you have to watch out for. The secretary winning the bracket. The, the, yeah, the ones <laughs> that like the ones that know a little bit, 
but don't follow it all season long. Those are the ones you got to look out for because those are the ones that usually win this whole thing. It's possible. Yeah, I, I like I do research. Like, I know I don't watch as close as you, which is fine. You watch a lot more than me because you're more hoops than I am, which is people probably figure that out by now. But I still fall pretty closely. Either read a bunch, watch a good amount to see what's going on. So it depends. Yeah, maybe it's uh, the weird person wins because I'm going to pick the the mascot and going to pick this over that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and usually oh, I'll take the higher seed, number one, number two. Um, it's all it's all good. It's like have fun with. It. I don't care if they win. It's all fun games. Like just don't bet your mortgage on the tournament bracket, right? Did Did you see uh, what Jeff Grammer tweeted out a few days ago? Um, I I don't know. Maybe what is it? It was it was uh, his daughter's bracket from last year. Oh, and she, and she had almost the entire top left region correct. The region that had UMBC, <laughs> uh, Kansas State, Kentucky. <laughs> And uh, Loyola and Nevada. She almost had that entire region correct. So, like, you just don't know. Sometimes it, it just works out, and that's what the beauty of the tournament. What what makes it so much fun? Didn't they also like he did this year, or at least last year for sure, just to coin flip versus daughter or something for mm-hmm. picks yeah. two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. Let's get to. Um, we'll get to the other bracket stuff. Let's get the games. Here's what we have. We have a Thursday game. Actually, one thing I would like to ask you about your bracket. How do you feel about the playing games? What do you do with those? Because people want brackets early. I I well, you mean like what time do I fill it out? No, or like yeah, Belmont and Temple playing. A lot of people like Belmont to win maybe a game or two, or maybe three. Um, I usually lock in. I usually pick at least one of the playing teams to win a game. So this year I have Arizona State advancing past Buffalo, but. If one of those teams doesn't win, then I usually just switch it back and have the original. Uh, yeah. six seed or five seed or whoever it is winning the game. I'm just it's just weird because I try to make some picks I'm like oh I want Belmont to win but I can't pick Belmont yeah to pick the stupid like, yeah so I'm like yeah Ugh. all right um so all right let's get the games we have Thursday Friday obviously we have Florida taking on Nevada we have Utah State taking on Washington um it'd be helpful if I had my schedule in front of me I moved it away from me so let's talk about the game you're familiar with is the Thursday I, I my email is incorrect I sent everybody Thursday. Is the Nevada game correct? Yes, it is. Okay, because I had it backwards for some reason. So Thursday, they got plum time spots. TNT, 650 Eastern, 350 Pacific, as we mentioned on our prior show. it's the Is that the first game of the evening session as well? I believe it is, yeah. Or so, if not, then the second. So people will be watching that game right when it starts. So what's your big concern with Nevada? Because I don't like. I hate to say there's a concern. They've only lost four games. Well, even if have they been undefeated, I think there's still concerns because it's a winner-go-home type tournament. With Florida, they play really good defense, and if the Gators can force Nevada into taking a lot of jump shots, playing a lot of ISO, I think Nevada can be pretty vulnerable. And that's the type of style that they've played in games that they've lost this year. They've had these four matchups against their conference rivals where they've probably not shot the ball very well. Utah State maybe being the exception, but they did hit a lot of free throws in that one. Um, I just, I there is reason to be concerned a little bit about this game. I think it's about a coin flip for where you look at in Vegas and the metrics and such. Florida is probably a bit underseeded, and they're 28th in Kempom, which would suggest that they would probably be about a 7 seed. Instead, they're at 10. So maybe they don't, they don't have the great resume to back it, but they've played 
fantastic teams all year long. They've played LSU, I believe, twice. They've played Kentucky. They've played Tennessee. They've played a lot of really good teams, even Michigan State and Florida State in the non-conference. So they're tested, and they're not going to be afraid of an experienced Nevada team. Sure, like who they play in the – even like LSU, Auburn, the tournament champs. Didn't LSU technically win a share of the – or win the regular season or something? That's yes, yeah, the regular season champs, yeah. That's, that's weird, LSU. <laughs> yeah, had a good season though. They are, and also, like, I, I think you're right. This game, like, we've seen Nevada years past, so this year, like, let's just zone you up and make it. And if Florida decides, like, yeah, we'll just chill and hang out, and let you beat us at the three or not beat us, that's mm-hmm. going to be where I think it can be one of the biggest things to look out for. See how Florida matches up defensively right from the get go. Because are they going to just play play with their typical defense, or knowing what Nevada can struggle with? With it's weird. You give guys open shots, you should make them right. More often than not, if you're, if they're not really going to contest, not that they won't contest, but they're not going to be up in your face. They're going to rather you take the three than get a close close basket, get something close inside for an easier hoop or a, excuse me, even a just a down in the post and a kick out when somebody's open or driving. I will see that'll be like the first couple minutes is what I want to see of what Florida wants to do defensively against Nevada, and Nevada's good enough to win this game and probably win a couple games. They've just the reason they're seated lower is mostly because like you had some good tweets about intent for scheduling Arizona state, Utah, USC, all not very good teams. Grand Canyon's okay. Like they tried to schedule. didn't work out for them because had they even gone, even if we say they go undefeated, would they have even been a three seed? So they're comp- what I'm trying to get at here. The competition hasn't been great, and this will be a really good team. And I'm wondering if Florida will. I just want to see the first four minutes. I'm kind of rambling here, but I think it'd be smart for Florida to play what they want to play, and then see how that goes, and then maybe switch up a little bit. But I don't think, like, why would they add us to what they do best? Because they got here, both teams got here for doing a certain thing for their entire their offense or defense. Not gonna say Nevada struggles when there's no defense. Oh, we'll play zone just because they struggle. No, they're gonna do what they want to do, and then maybe mm-hmm. switch if it doesn't work. Right, and I think tempo is a pretty interesting thing to look out for this game. Nevada does like to run it quite a bit, and Florida is one of the slower paced teams in the entire nation. They're 346th in tempo. Sheesh. They run just a sliver under 63 possessions a game, so they're more in that half court style. They want to slow it down, get good possessions, and try to shut down the opposing team on the defensive end. So that's another thing to look out for, how the tempo works in this game, because Nevada will like to run, and if they are able to run against this Florida team and get more easy baskets instead of having to settle for jumpers or late shots in the shot clock, I think that will be a huge benefit to them. So there's a lot to look out for, and I think just because of how these teams uh, are in quality relative to the rest of the field. They're pretty even. This is probably more like an 8-9 game than a 7-10 game, even though Nevada is probably closer to a 6 or 5 seed in terms of talent. Um, I, I still think Florida's pretty grossly underseeded just for the teams that they've played. They've beat LSU twice in the last three weeks, and that's a top three seed. So this team, it's it's they're, they're no pushover. They can win a game or two in the NCAA tournament just like Nevada can as well. Well, and they've been played tough competition. And the funny thing is, um, I'm reading it here. They beat two NCAA tournament teams, but they beat LSU twice, so that's really three. But 
Did you know they played 16 Q1 games? Wow. However, they're only 4 and 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, they, but just to even have those tests, yeah. I think, is a, is a good thing for them. I'm, I'll take a guess. That's probably every all 16 of those games came in league play, I'm guessing. Might have been... I think Michigan State might have been one. Oh, okay. I didn't know if they played them. But I'm just saying, like, 16. Yeah. It's like... It's also, like, when you look at bracket stuff, it's... It's weird because NC, not to, I'll come back to the game in a second, but NC State is not too happy with what happened. And it's funny <laughs> yeah. to like, I listen, like, everybody likes CBS basketball podcast, I listen to it. So Gary Parrish always makes good thoughts. Like, he's always like, who cares if you're a one spot above or below for Q1, Q2, or back when it was RPI top 25 win? His, his one thing he made a good point is that it's not good for maybe playing like Nevada, Gonzaga, upper division, like, uh, non-power teams like maybe some a10 school stuff like that like where why should the non-conference schedule matter when you're in a big time conference like why do yeah. they why do That's they wait that at all because look at forward like you said probably 15 of those games were in league play and the sec played kentucky tennessee um lsu mississippi Ole miss all those teams that make the tournament and so it's like why penalize or punish them or why really consider it at all? You should just do overall schedule because they have enough. Because if, if you don't get in, it's your fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> for those teams, you have those, yeah, you'll have your opportunities. Yeah, it's not different, not fair, but for Nevada and other like even Utah State was really good in the Big West or WAC. Or if you're looking at BYU back in the day, or Utah when they're playing in the WAC or Mountain West or UNLV, that's just a thought. Like you get all those opportunities, but I'm wondering. I, I like the pace thing. Like can Nevada? get them off their game and push to force Florida to actually run the ball or get uncomfortable. Because if here's the thing in my thought, if you're a team that wants to slow it down, you should be able to slow it down regardless of what the other team does. If Nevada takes every rebound, goes down and scores or gets a shot in 10 seconds because they have a good fast break. I find it odd when teams, when that happens, if a team wants to slow it down, they get caught in a trap because you, you, when you have the ball, you control the ball. Even if Nevada is going to do a press of some sort, why should you? I don't. If it's, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems odd to me when, it, say, one team's fast, one team's slow. The team that wants to go slow, or even either way, fast or slow, you have the ball. Do what you want to do. Why do you fall into the trap of what the other team does? So I'm wondering if Florida will get into that if Nevada goes fast. Maybe if you're down 10 to 2, 14 to 6 early on, like an 8 to 12 point deficit in the first half, maybe they feel that pressure. But I always find it odd if you're going to go slow it down. Why is that even changing at all, regardless of what the other team does, if they get quick buckets or quick possessions? I think, yeah, you nailed it on the head there. And that's something that I've thought about quite a bit. I would be under the assumption that teams that are playing from behind always have a little bit more of that sense of urgency to catch up, Mm -hmm. and that'll probably increase the tempo of the game if Florida is playing from behind. But if the Gators are playing from ahead and they control a first-half lead, I think they will have the luxury of being able to slow it down. Mm -hmm. And that's what... That, I think that's got to be my main concern for this game if I'm a Nevada fan. If Florida gets out to an early lead, say a six-plus point lead, and they're able to settle down, get comfortable, and just operate in their half-court offensive and, and defense, I think that could spell some trouble for Nevada, especially if they force Nevada into taking a lot of those late shot clock, off-balance, contested jumpers that we've seen, uh, a lot of those contested three-pointers from the Martin Twins or Caroline. That could spell some trouble for this team and, and cause that gap to um, be even even more wide as the game continues. And we've seen Nevada try to play from behind in the 
in recent games and they've been unsuccessful like they were at the start of the year. Remember, at the start of the year, mm-hmm. they were trailing in the first half in almost every game and oh, came geez. back and won by double digits. That hasn't really been the case in those three losses in the last eight games. They trailed San Diego State, Utah State, and then San Diego State again, I believe, by double digits in each of those games. So um, it, it'll work at times. Sometimes you can make comebacks and, and have longevity in that sense, but it doesn't work for everyone. And Nevada can't afford to fall into a double-digit trap against a team that is relatively composed and plays that slow style or they're going to have a tough time catching up. Yeah, just like last year we saw Texas and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It's like those uh, those are very difficult games. And you're right, especially if a team that wants to – because even if it goes faster, Florida will have more possession. They can still walk it up a bit. But if a team does do that and they take their time and shoot with, say, six seconds or fewer on the shot clock, comebacks harder. The, if, they're, if it does come to that – it's more difficult to respond, not respond, but fewer possessions when it takes them 25 seconds, 30 seconds to get a shot off. And Mm -hmm. if, and forbid they get off at the rebound and take another 30 plus seconds off the shot clock, that can be a concern if they do get down. And, but one good thing, Caroline, they say he's going to be a hundred percent. So hopefully that's correct. Right. (laughs) That's what doctors say. And so if he's, I think he's kind of like, he can be like their best player at times. And if he's not fully hundred percent, which I guess we should believe what they're saying. But if there's any reason to believe he tweaks it during the game, his Achilles or something, there's no way Nevada's going to win. I think they it, have it'll to, make it tough. Yeah. They have to have him to be extreme. Like, not that we're saying Florida's this juggernaut, but we saw him without Caroline in the Mountain West tournament. Look what happened. Not the, it's a different team. Yeah, it's a different team. It's like if any team loses one of their top three players who potentially on any given night could be your best player, you're going to struggle. You may not mm-hmm. win. And I don't know, man. What's the line of this game? Is it what two and a half for Nevada? Is it? It's pretty close, right? It's two. pretty close. Kempom has Nevada by one. By one, and this game's in Des Moines, Iowa, correct? Yes. Middle of the country. Who's got more fans? It's far from both places. Ah, uh, you know, it'll be interesting what the showing is for this game because I, I know Nevada fans will travel. I think Florida fans travel fairly mm. well. I imagine it'll be pretty balanced. So look at right now. I'm looking over at um, Vegas Insider. Their com- composite line open at minus three Nevada, minus two now. They predict a line of 133, which is about on par. I'm looking at other games on here, like Mexico State Auburn is pretty high at 145. Northeastern Kansas obviously pretty high at 143. But who do you see the 157 line? St. Francis and Hampton. I guess that's NIT game, right? Oh jeez! Sorry, I just go. It has every, yeah, it has every game on here, so I'm like, it's going. It has a couple on there, but there's a few. It's uh, that's a Old Dominion Purdue one twenty six. Okay, <laughs> that's a Big Ten basketball for you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Grind it out. So, what would it? Um, what would you see? How Nevada would win this game? Like, what's kind of your couple of uh, keys? You'd say here's how they're going to win. I think they need to get easy baskets and and start off on a good note. Uh, again, as I said. If they fall behind early, they could be in some trouble. I'm especially looking at Caroline. If he's healthy, he needs to – I mean, even if he isn't healthy and, and plays, he needs to play well because he can be the rock of this team. And I think that they'll – Nevada will need to get as many easy buckets as possible. And Caroline's able to bail him out with the types of drives and finishes that he is able to manufacture in the lane. If he's quiet and Nevada has to settle for a lot of jumpers, they could be in trouble here. And that's not to say that – 
Nevada's a bad shooting team. They are, they do shoot the ball well, but they have tendencies to get cold, as they did against San Diego State those final seven-plus minutes. Mm-hmm. As long as they're playing their game, they don't fall into any of Florida's traps, and they just stick to what they've done this season, the reason they've won 29 games. I think they'll be able to be just fine and come out with a win, but they cannot go into those cold streaks as they did uh, against Utah State and against San Diego State in the Mountain West Tournament. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking at their who, kind of who Florida's played, like not played, but kind of the results. Like I know they made the SEC title game, good job. They beat LSU, lost LSU, lose Kentucky by about ten. Like they're they're not getting blo- what I could tell outside of uh, two bad. They've had three bad losses, not bad losses, but three big deficits. Like Kentucky by 12, 11, 14 to Auburn. These are all in a row. In number in what's that? Twelve points to Tennessee. Like Nevada. Based on where they fit in, say, the Florida schedule, they're pro- what would you say? They're behind Kentucky, behind Tennessee, and LSU, maybe? Is LSU a good comparison to Nevada, kind of, for at least a strength of opponent-wise? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, maybe a little bit tougher. Yeah, who would be tougher, LSU or Nevada? LSU. Okay, but it would yeah. be this would still be one of their tougher games all year they've played. Mm-hmm. And would you say this is the Nevada's toughest team all year? They fa- yeah, I think so. I think easily, yeah. Okay. Also, one thing to note, too, Florida, they don't score many points. Did you know, I'm looking up their roster right now, the leading scorer, Kayvon Allen, only 12 points a game. Hmm. They, They're probably more balanced, right? They, yeah, they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six guys who score eight or more points per game. Okay, a lot of balance. And, and all those guys play 30-plus minutes. Oh, no, sorry, that's minutes. Yeah, 30, well, 20, well, sorry. I'm looking at games played. That confused me, but I looked at it wrong. They have a lot of guys who go deep, so that's also Nevada's issue. They still only go, what, seven, eight deep at most? Mm-hmm. And if you look at – because it, it can be a big deal. Like game one, maybe not so much, but if foul trouble comes up, which we've seen in the Mount West tournament for various games, a lot of oh, whistles yeah. being called. Florida goes, let me just do here, 10 minutes or more. I assume everybody's healthy, so I'm going to guess that they've all played 29-plus games. They have one, two, three – four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys who played 11 or more minutes and seven played 20 more minutes a game. Mm, okay. So that, that even though they go slow, that's that, that may benefit Nevada if, if there's fewer possessions because you don't have to go up and down. But that's just something to look out for if there's a either foul trouble for Nevada or if Nevada starts to run, they still might be able to run before they could sub in maybe two guys at a time every so often to not get winded or something if that happens. So... Yeah, that's the other thing to watch out for is foul trouble. I, Nevada, again, plays a short bench. They have one of the lowest bench minutes percentages in the entire country. And they'll have to play longer defensive possessions with how Florida plays. Um, yeah. Nevada averages about 16.4 seconds of possession on offense. Florida's 18.3. So that's a, Although it doesn't sound like much, that's the difference between 270th in the country to 62nd in the country. So yeah. that's a lot more time that you have to defend so there's fatigue that can set in and also the chances of, of drawing fouls. and So that's something else uh, to keep an eye out on. But Florida doesn't draw that many fouls. There are only 256 in the country in free throw rates. So Nevada should be okay. Yeah, and what Nevada should do is like get to the line. You know what I mean? Like attack. Because oh, yeah. they, they're capable of doing that. So it's like attack and just do what you got to do to get to the line. So prediction time. Who's going to win? I like Nevada. I think that they'll either have to get a bucket or a stop on the final possession to win this game. Ooh, it'll be a buzzer beater game, maybe? Could be, yeah. Will Jordan Brown get a significant minutes in this game? Will he get more than 10 minutes? 
I don't I don't see it. I think Should Carolina's he? still uh, <laughs> maybe. I mean, Jordan Brown's awesome, and he hasn't gotten his chances to play that much this season, which I'm not all that surprised about. But he's still very talented. I don't know if you can just throw him into this game if Carolina is anything close to healthy. I mean, if Carolina's healthy, he's got to go. Is it, I mean, this is it. Yeah, this is yeah. a senior year, and this team has to, to win this game. Okay. All right. I predict Nevada to win as well. Um, it'll be a close one. Like, uh, I think they can win. It'll be – I think Nevada will force it a little bit more than Florida wants, so it'll be a, tat, 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 uh, a touch higher than what Florida wants mm-hmm. to score. And that was at 133. I think it'd be like – that thing is pretty spot on. It might be like 70 to 65. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a pretty good uh, over under. I would say about that. It could be a point or two lower. I would not mm-hmm. be too surprised. That's why those guys are good. They know what they're doing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> really quick, because we'll have another show later. But can Nevada? I assume they play Michigan. Could they get beyond that game? They, I mean, they could give Michigan a game. I really like Michigan. I've seen them play quite a bit this year. I don't know if that's a good matchup for Nevada. I, I think Michigan's got a pretty balanced and and loaded team, but that's not a game that they can't win and that's I know it's a bit of a double negative there but that's <laughs> Nevada can't compete with a team like Michigan and uh, I mean it's a similar spot that they were in last year and as a seven seed matching up against the two it's a, it's a tough spot to be in because either again one of the top five top six best teams in the country but every team is vulnerable for a reason and Nevada has the chance if they play their game even the way that they wrapped up this season, even though they're a seventh seed, even though they don't have as many wins as pretty much every other team in this bracket, they still have as much talent and as much experience as any of the teams that you'll see listed on their bracket, and that's why no matter who they're playing or where they're slotted, they're still dangerous in a single-game elimination tournament. You're right, because Michigan, they're a top-10 team. Assuming they win, I don't want to assume you're playing Montana, but uh, they have pretty, they are, pretty yeah. good coach. And this is their... Is, why did they do a rematch of last year as well? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's that's one of the bracketing principles. You're not supposed to be matched up against the team you were matched up the previous year. But they had to fit, shoehorn that Louisville Minnesota matchup, right? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, like looking at Michigan really quick, um, they had some bad losses like Penn State, um, Iowa. Wisconsin is not a bad loss, but ten points. But they've had a couple questionable losses. But experience can trump everything. So. We'll see. And if you want to check out the Michigan-Montana game, it's directly after, obviously, the uh, Nevada-Florida uh, game. So next up, Utah State-Washington. The next day, same time, same channel. Perfect. And T- Makes it nice and easy for us, it? does. It? TNT, it's late enough in the afternoon where you don't want to miss work, but if you miss work, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> definitely do that to watch games or pull up this, the uh, March Madness app or Fubo or something if you hook up that way. So it's on TNT. Um, I get, yeah, the March Madness app is the best way to stream stuff, I'd say. And yeah, Washington is a, from a uh, somehow a three-bid Pac-12. <laughs> somehow, man. I, I thought it would happen. I, I didn't think that they deserved it, but I thought it <laughs> would happen. So what, you have NC State in over whoever? Yeah, or Green, I mean. Or Greensboro, uh, I guess. I mean, you knew that the Pac-12 somehow was, was going to manage to have a team besides Washington or Arizona State win the title, wouldn't you think? Yeah, the way it goes. Cause Oregon, Just what happened. Oregon had a big run. They beat up on my Utes, which is fine, even though Chris Koviak. Highest paid coach in the Pac-12. <laughs> oh, Yikes. Geez. Yeah, so Utah State is ex- 
Are they? Well, I'm, I'm going to say yes, but they're like one of the hottest teams in the country. Oh, yeah. They have oh, – I should have their – I don't have their exact schedule in front of me recent, but obviously win the Mountain West Tournament, beat Nevada, beat San Diego State. They have crushing through this league, which – let me ask you this. We didn't touch on this that much. Is this league this much better this year than last year, the Mountain West? I don't know if it's that much better. I, I know that the bottom half is weaker than it was last year, but having Nevada and Utah State at the top bounces out a little bit because I think – these two teams are better than the top two teams last year. Okay, yeah, they just I never, we never discussed that, but it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess with Air Force getting better, that helps a bit too. For more top heavy, yeah, a little more top heavy. Just yeah. we'll get to San Jose State at the end. There's a oh boy, yeah. they're they're in trouble. So yeah, Utah State has won ten in a row. They haven't lo- like they've lost twice since three times since January. And I don't really count. I certainly count that Nevada loss because that was weird. The seventy two forty nine. They've lost by one point to Fresno. And five points to San Diego State, both on one road, one home game. So they know what they're doing. I mean, they've played really good basketball of late. They're seventeen and one in their last eighteen games. There we go. That's what I was looking for. And they, I mean, they've just they've played really well. I think Wofford might be the only team that has a better record over the last eighteen games because I believe they have a twenty-game winning streak or so. But even even so, they're just playing their best basketball of late and. I mean, all streaks are meant to come to an end, no. aren't they? But uh, Gosh, quiet. <laughs> uh, but but I think it's good that this team is playing as good as they have been all year long because they went from not being on the radar at all in terms of NCAA tournament seeding to kind of on their outside looking in, and now they've completely played their way into the tournament. And towards the end of the regular season, that win over Nevada. It felt it just felt like that was going to be the sealer for this team, but again, you just don't know, especially with mid-major teams that don't have as many chances to log quality wins if they'll get into the tournament. But for this team to battle through some adversity in that first game against New Mexico in the tournament and then just have a tremendous showing against Fresno State and wrap up against San Diego State to clinch the auto bid, I think it shows a lot of why Utah State is just such a complete team and is, again, it's scary to win at least one game in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and we, we knew early on in the year that this team was going to be better. They started off with the, um, cr- like, early in the year, like, go back to November. Like, I I know you view hoops a little bit better. I kind of watch and hang out. Mark Pope fan, I guess, apparently. They crushed UVU, which was, a, okay, people are like, oh, who cares? It's UVU. Well, they are second in the whack. They pretty good year. They have a couple guys who are quite good on the team. They beat Fresno State. They obliterated them by 20. They obliterated St. Mary's by 17. They, if not for the weird refing and free throw stuff, could have beat Arizona State or Thanksgiving weekend. They crush a UC Irvine who could have won a couple games. like On the road, too. Yeah, on the road, too. And they, all, they had a lead against Houston at the half on the road, lost by 10. And so, the, uh, like, the only real weird – I scratch your game. You go back the whole year. Is the uh, BYU lost by fifteen? And part of that I attribute to um, Tyler Haas coming back for his first game. And they were just unconscious that night. Yeah, yeah they, BYU hit everything. Yeah, so that and then the first Nevada game, which was a, a mess, seventy two forty nine. Everything yep. else, like losing at San Diego State, not not really bad loss because the way they finished the year. Oh, big picture, maybe losing to Fresno at home by one. So like the only like the one game like where there's like one or two, it's like. They've been good. Like, we've knew this team was good. It took until, like, even myself, 
people are like, oh, they're in the bubble. Like, how's they in the bubble after New Mexico or Air Force wins? But they made it the point. But we knew this team was going to be better than ninth once they, like, beat St. Mary's, essentially, that Thanksgiving weekend where, oh, crap, they are sitting at 7-1. to beat a, And if people know Hoops Big West, UC Irvine's usually pretty good almost every year. They're no slouch. And so I think that's a good, that's a good barometer to beat them. They beat them pretty handily. But – and you got Kada. Whew. He's going to be a stud in this game. I think he's going to do some good stuff. Cause... Yeah, I do too. And he, he matches up against Noah Dickerson, mm-hmm. who Washington fans certainly like, but he could be so much better than he is. I mean, that's just the that's the reality of it. He's six eight big, who's about the same weight as Kata, and he can be very aggressive at times, and he can be more what you would say soft sometimes, and he can get pushed over, and he struggles against more physical guys like Kata. He gives up three inches to Kata. And that's a huge mismatch, I think. So Washington will have to find some more answers. And one of the answers for them could be to bring Sam Timmons in off the bench. And Timmons is your type of like all defense, no offense. He's not going to score many baskets for you unless it's just a layup. Uh, he's just a big body in there that can that can defend. But Kata isn't really an offensive guy, so you don't need to focus all of your intentions on defending Kata because he's probably not going to explode for 20 points. That's not his style, at least not yet. He's more of a defensive anchor that can impact the game in that sense. And if Washington is forced to, I would say, try to have more post-ups with Dickerson, I I don't think they're going to be successful in this game because Kata is just so much more physically inclined than Dickerson is, and he could really create a defensive mismatch against him. So, UC Washington, quite a bit. What do they do well, like for overall? Because they are pretty good. Okay, they're pretty good in Pac-12, which was not a good conference. So, they also have that freaking cow loss somehow. Jeez, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the cows. Like, what do they do that would like shape or not shape, but like shape the game? Yeah, shape the game against Utah State because we see Utah State they could score a decent amount. Sam Merrill. They're pretty good defensively. So what does Washington do overall? Like, what would they want to do to say, hey, here's how we're going to win? Well, Washington does have some cold spurts on offense. They they don't shoot the ball particularly well at times. So their main focus is on the defensive end. They play a 2-3 zone, which Mike Hopkins inherited from Jim Beheim when he was on his assistant coaching staff. Washington relies on you taking bad shots, turning the ball over. They're fourth in opponent turnover rate in the country. So... Utah State will have to be careful with the ball, and they just defend well. Uh, they have one of the best defensive players in the country in Matisse Thibel, who's a wing. He's about 6'5", uh, just blocks shots, steals, uh, gets steals all the time, defends really, really, really well. I think he'll probably match up with Sam Merrill, so Merrill might have a tough game because this is going to easily be the toughest defender that he's played against the entire year. So you'll probably have to look at guys like Diogo Brito or Abel Porter, um, Quinn Taylor. Those types of role players will have to show up because Merrill probably won't be as efficient as he usually is in this game because he's being defended by such a great and long defender as Thibel. And so Washington can really muck this thing up. And if they keep it in the 50s and 60s, that, that, that that could spell some trouble because... Um, the way that Fresno State allowed Utah State to get open look after open look, San Diego State did do that from time to time when they weren't fouling. 
Washington's not going to do that. They play stout defense. They force you to pass the ball a lot because of their 2-3 zone. And if Utah State's turning it over like they did against New Mexico, they probably won't win this game. You know what I'd hate? If it's in the 50s, I would want to just punch myself in the face. <laughs> it could be. I mean, Washington plays tough defense. Would that be – so I assume that obviously that favors Washington. Could Utah State – I don't know if they could win a game if it's, if it's in the 50s. It, it would be tough, yeah. And they, they would have to rely on more things like free throw shooting and more of the intangibles. But that's the type of game that Washington wants to play. And they yeah. do slow it down quite a bit as well. They don't want to give you many open looks. Because we're looking at like some just score pure numbers. That's what I have in front of me. Utah State scored 100 points twice, three, four times this year. <laughs> they get into the 80s, like against Fresno State. They got 80s versus Nevada, 70 plus, nearly 80 versus Boise. I, come on, what's hold on? What's the over under here? I want to see the line. This I got to pull that up and see what we're doing, what we're dealing with here. It's higher than the Nevada, Michigan, the Florida game. This one's 135. Mm. Does that seem too high for you? Um, I don't know if it's too high. I think that was more of like a a key to the game type deal. I think it'll probably be around there. Maybe it might even be a few points higher. Whoever gets a 70 wins, maybe. I think so. It could be about that, yeah. And right now, Utah State's a two and a half point favorite. Do we ever mention where this game's at? It's in um, Columbus, right? Yes. <laughs> so far from both location schools. An eight nine game, so I'm guessing the arena will be packed with uh, North Carolina fans. Oh yeah, most likely in Columbus. So I think Utah State is going to win. I do too. Oh, you're going against your team. I see how it is. Uh, your school. <laughs> uh, I, Utah State's just been like, first of all, the Pac-12 is awful. Not very good. Washington's not a bad team, clearly. And it's not, not to say Utah State hasn't has played a much better schedule than Washington because Washington has played a better teams overall. Overall, I just like Sam Merrill's played amazing, especially Brito off the bench. Could he do a ton? Like he's led the team and scored a couple times here and there. If he has a big game, but I just like what Utah State's been doing. Like they're on a roll and they're going to win this game because they're playing much better basketball. Washington lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Nevada or me, Utah State's had those big emotional wins to keep it going. And they got a first time head coach. They wanna be they wanna be ready to go and pull off the victory. They're the favorite final. They've been underdogs the entire year. I assume Craig Smith's gonna say, Hey, we're playing a Pac twelve team, blah blah blah. It's like, no, you're the favorite here. Act like it and get to win. <laughs> yeah, and, and both of these teams are trending in different directions. Utah State has just been excellent the last month or two. Washington is probably playing their worst basketball this season. They had that Kalos on the road, which was just inexplicable. And then they've played Oregon twice in a seven-day span. They scored 48 points and 47 points, respectively, in those two games. So that's, what, 95 points in 80 minutes? That's not going to cut it. Even if Utah State has an off-shooting night, they still are able to find open looks. And they'll probably be able to have uh, a a good share of second-chance opportunities as well because of Washington's lack of size in their 2-3 zone. They do give up some second-chance baskets as well. So I do like Utah State in this game. I just, I I think Washington matches up well against a lot of teams in this tournament, and Utah State is probably the worst possible matchup they could have been put against. All right, so you're going Aggies too, right? I'm picking Utah State. Yeah. Any chance they could beat North Carolina? I don't. I feel like Utah State could hang around and make it interesting, but I, North Carolina would have to play a bad game to lose to Utah State. I think. It's happened before. Didn't um. Didn't Weber State beat North Carolina years ago? Oh, it must have been before my time. I'm not sure. I'm saying years, years ago, long time ago, like 15 years ago or something. I'm just saying, hey, they they stumbled a little bit here and there. Um, 
If they um, – yeah, we'll see what happens. If they win that, say, Sunday game, so if they both – Nevada wins a Saturday game. So hopefully we get two games in overall – or four games, I should say, not two. Two games per team. Let me ask you this. We talked about this off-air before. Is Craig Smith going to be coaching Utah State next year if they win one game in the tournament? Yes. What if they win two games? If they win two games, that could get interesting uh, because then you're knocking off a number one seed. You, He's already probably – I mean, forget what all the media awards and stuff said. He probably did one of the best coaching jobs in the entire country this year. There are a lot of guys that aren't AP voters and such. Like Jeff Goodman's been clamoring for for Craig Smith the entire year. Sam Vecini has said some really good things. So has Gary Parrish and Norlander. I mean, he's just done an excellent job going from South Dakota to now winning the Mountain West and picking up a single-digit seed with Utah State. You would be crazy to think that he's not going to get some phone calls this offseason because there are a lot of these power conference jobs that will open up and Craig Smith is a young coach who's done just an excellent job and there are very few reasons why a program wouldn't want Craig Smith so I I do think he'll be back regardless I mean you return you likely return both Kata and Merrill and a lot of the guys from this year's team so there's no reason to think why Utah State wouldn't be the favorite to win the Mountain West and again, make a tournament run next year. So it's almost like the same deal as Musselman, I think, because both of these teams should be pretty good next season. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if they're quite ready to leave yet. And I don't know if the opportunity will present itself that is attractive enough for these coaches to leave their current situation. Here's what I can see could happen. Like this is me kind of stretching a little bit here. Um, if he wins one or two games, I think if he, I think he's going to get a call regardless. But it depends of what's going to open. Here's what we do that's open. UCLA's open. UCLA wants a big hire. They're not going to bring in Craig Smith, clearly. Musselman, mm-hmm. I don't, probably not because the way he builds a team, it's not how UCLA can build a team. So, but what will happen is, here's a couple of jobs that it could be questionable that could impact both these guys. Arizona could have an issue with Sean Miller because the FBI stuff. Um, or LSU, man. Musselman yep. was at LSU for a year. Would he go from Nevada to LSU? Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying that's a possibility because he's currently isn't Will Wade definitely suspended? Isn't that what they're calling it? I think so, but I, I thought there was a chance he might return. We'll see, but that that's a weird situation. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to keep him around? And my only reason is the connections there. But if Smith's going to get a, a job anywhere, it's because oh LSU opens up, trickle down. UCLA's open. They're going to want to bring in a big name trickle down a little bit. What is UNLV going to do? Could that open up something kind of down the road? Or, you know what I mean? There's all these dominoes that could fall. And I think once we really know, I'm not saying he's going to go anywhere, but what happens to UCLA will lead the way. Because mm-hmm. it may, like again, and Arizona and LSU, if those three open up, not saying Smith or Musselman will go to either three of those jobs, but Arizona could bring in a big name. UCLA could bring, bring in a big name. LSU, not as much. But it could open up, say, some Big East job or a Big Ten job maybe because Craig Smith's at South Dakota before. But what a funny thing. I had him on our radio show last week. He's like, I'm in a big city in Logan. Like, what are you talking about? You, I guess when you come from South Dakota to <laughs> Logan, right. Utah, was kind of a humorous comment he made like a week or two ago. We chatted with him before the uh, Nevada game, which ended up being crazy. So I would hope he sticks around for one more year. I would say he's more likely to stay than Musselman. But you can never say never. Because there was a couple years ago, was it Musselman connected to, was it South Florida job after his first year or second year? 
Uh, he was well. Was I'm not South sure Florida? about that. He, he that might have been right. He was also connected to the college job, which he interviewed for twice. Yeah, the college job. He kind of pulled his name out. I thought there was a job out in, or maybe it's Leon. I know Leon Rice who mentioned St. Louis. There's some job in Florida, Central Florida, South Florida. Couple, uh, that's vaguely familiar. Yeah, and so I think they'll both be around because how great – here's what this league needs because look at all these new coaches. Craig Smith, new coach. Even Musselman, year three. Justin Houston, Brian Dutcher, all these new coaches. San Jose State, which we'll get to in a minute. Trouble. UNLV will have a new coach. Paul Weir is basically a new head coach. Like, wait, who? Like, who is this most senior coach we're thinking about? it? Um, I think it's Leon Rice, isn't it? Yeah. Or yeah. Dave Pilpovich. Uh, yeah, okay, those two guys. I, like, I knew one would be obvious when you say something. <laughs> but that would – like, how – if these – especially these two guys, Utah State, Nevada, and whatever, hopefully UNLV gets on track because, whew, I got to meet from that conversation, but whatever, <laughs> from yeah. last week, at least one person. How great would it be to make this league because if they could up to pay a little bit, if they keep these guys and say, this could be like the Mountain West about five years ago where they're getting in th- two minimum four teams on a regular basis. Like they, sh- If these two guys stay, they should be getting three teams on a regular basis because you – both you and I think Boise State should be better next year. If you, you San Diego State's rising up, we'll see what Fresno after Watson leaves. But this league, if these guys could stand on the right track to have a minimum three bid every year, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a reasonable possibility. And it, the other really interesting thing this year is that the top three teams, Nevada, Utah State, and Fresno State, those aren't your standard Mountain West teams that are usually at the top of the ladder. Once nope. San Diego State, UNLV, and New Mexico pick it up again. And you have that blend of the old whack teams that are now as healthy as ever, and you have the previous Mountain West powers start to rise again. I think that's the perfect blend for this Mountain West conference, and mm-hmm. I think that's what will get them back to where they were in terms of sending three-plus bids to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and so that'll go a long way for how they do this tournament. So we mentioned UNLV coaching. I'm not going to apologize for anything I said. There's one person who got really mad at me, like, whatever. You know why they got mad at me, folks? I was I was rattling off random UNLV good names. They got mad at me, Eli, because I mentioned Reggie Diaz. Who, sorry, he wasn't around in the early nineties. <laughs> Did you? But yet, he was a, a first round NBA draft pick, a well known Rebel alum who was really good at basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I was rattling off names people would know. Right? What's the problem with that? Yeah, I'm just saying. So hey, it happens. Get off me! I, I was not wrong. I was just wrong at the time. But I never said he played in the eighties or nineties. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you expect national championships, just you'll be waiting a long time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, let's get to this real quick. Some somber news. We have to talk about San Jose State. Yeah, not good, right? They've already lost their top two scores from this season via transfer. Yeah, Noah Bauman and Michael Stedman. This is the you put a good tweet out here. It's what one, two, three, four, five players transferred. The past since in two since seventeen, all five have averaged ten or plus more points per game. Like Ryan Wellage, Brandon Clark, all these guys. Like Brandon Clark might be an APL American. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, probably. And two years ago, when Clark and was Clark, Clark and Wellage on the team, they were middle of the pack of the conference. Finally, starting to build something. I was it really? What, do you think it really fell apart when they had to get a new head coach? Yeah, I think so. When Wojcik Woj, yeah, had to leave. Wojcik had to leave, and there was all the the scandal that was going on. And I, as good of Wojcik, I, I think Wojcik did a really good job. He had the thing turned around by the time he had to leave. And I know the the scandals were not a good look for the program at all, and that's probably why these players were inclined to leave. In addition to the coaching change, 
But man, this this could have been a really solid team. You had Brandon Clark and Ryan Wellage who combined for 30 points in 2017. Both of those players were sophomores. Would have brought back Jalen James, Terrell Brown, um, who's now with New Mexico State, uh, J.C. Hillsman, who transferred to Illinois State along with Keith Fisher. This could have been a really good program that could have competed for a top four, top five spot in the Mountain West had everything just continued. But instead, you have a San Jose State team who won three D1 games this year, I believe. They've already lost both of their double-digit scores. You can probably imagine at least a handful of guys will transfer as well. Every player that they've had since 2017 that averaged 10 or more points per game has transferred out of the program. It's just the state of San Jose State basketball right now. I, I like to keep things in a positive light as much as I can and, and treat teams fairly and give them a fair assessment, but this program is just an absolute disaster right now. Like why I get it losing. Is there any re- is it just the losing why they're transferring do you think? Like is there I cuz here's the thing when Clark and Wells they were not winning great but they were a couple upsets, they were middle of the pack, they were competing basically every game. They were pretty close to getting over the hump had things stayed around. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like they were getting crushed by twenty points, and oh, we got one upset here, one upset there. They were weren't they like a six seed or something that year, middle of the pack? They were they were hanging around there. I don't know if they're that high. I'm trying to pull it up right now. They finished fourteen and sixteen. Uh, it looks like ninth in the conference, okay. but a seven and eleven record. And they had that stretch. I remember writing a column after that stretch. Yeah. They had a four game winning streak, which had a win against UNLV, a win at New Mexico, a win at home against San Diego State, and then a win at UNLV. And I know UNLV was down that year, but picking up that home win against San Diego State and also winning at the pit, that's that's the type of stuff that changes the direction of your program. And they obviously didn't finish off the season that hot. They won just one of their last, I think it was six games, seven games. But you could start to sense that the program had turned around a little bit, and then Again, you lose your head coach, Brandon Clark and Ryan Wellage transfer. It just kind of all fell apart. Then they had to hire Prelo, who came in with an empty cabinet once again, and he's had his struggles because, frankly, the team just is not very good. There's not that much fan support in the area. The arena, which is already small, it hardly has any fans in it. It's just a no-win situation for everyone involved. It's a weird thing, too. Like, I'm not saying they should be great, but they're in an area where there's plenty of talent. You have like to you, be at least competitive. That's what I said before. It's like you're telling me you can't get the okay, you're not gonna get the same guys who Fresno or San Diego State or UCLA or Cal or Stanford. However, you should be getting players who like not to shoot low, but any any the best players that go to the big West should be going to San Jose State. Like mm-hmm. Long Beach State, Irvine, or even guys who go to New Mexico State. May, uh, maybe. But why can't there's enough talent in the state where they should be able to get the leftovers and still field a pretty good team. And they should be getting guys who want to go to even West Coast with WCC guys. If they're going to San Francisco, you should be able to get them to come to San Jose. Mm-hmm. That should be a reasonable goal. And yeah, you, San Francisco is pretty good this year. St. Mary's is always usually good. You can't, you got to be able to get those type of guys where, and then get wins. It's like maybe their schedule, but here's the thing too their schedule's not difficult either. They, they try to schedule properly to get wins, mm-hmm. but they're, yeah. not, they're not even doing that. And that's a problem. And so I, what do you, what do you think it is like? Just schedule. I know the Mountain West doesn't want them to schedule super poor, like playing all the, like maybe they should one year play every Big West team, every WAC team. You're telling me they can't 
Let's play the Big West and Wacko in half at least half those games against those two leagues. I mean, they. I thought their schedule this year was fair. They they, they did have those uh, neutral site games uh, in Bahamas, where mm-hmm. which they played well. They had leads in I think every one of those games at the four at the under four timeout. They came up zero and three, but they had the eight point loss to Weber State, one point loss to Cal State Bakersfield, and two point loss to Central Michigan. I believe the latter two were both buzzer beaters or at least last second shots. So they had their chances there, and then later on in non conference play, they had the Stanford, Cal, mm-hmm. St. Mary stretch that led into league play. Mm-hmm. And they nearly beat Stanford, nearly beat Cal. And, and mind you, all these games were on the road as well. Mm-hmm. And they got obliterated by St. Mary's. But I thought that they, that five to seven game stretch where they had the, the Bahamas wins. games, they had the two wins against Bethune Cookman in Northern Arizona, and then played really well against those Pac 12 teams. And I, and I know they're bad, but they still, that's. It's a San Jose State team that has, that has struggled and to even compete against those teams I think is a pretty good sign. And then the wheels just fell off. Yeah, they in league play, in all their losses, only two were by 10 or fewer – or by sorry, three if I include the 10-point loss to Wyoming. Only three losses were by 10 or fewer points. Jeez. And the one win versus New Mexico, which is weird. Mm-hmm. So, like, look, like I, I guess, like, yeah, they played okay in the non-conference. They – the schedule is perfect, like Central Michigan. Um, who's SCU? I don't even know. Um, who is that? Uh, Santa Clara. Uh, Santa Clara. Yeah. I was like, yeah, like they scheduled fine. Like Cal State Bakersfield, they played teams like that. Like they should be. The schedule was fine. Like they beat NAU. They Indiana State those two in the MAC or Missouri Valley Challenge, but I don't know what else they can do outside of playing. Let's go play Chicago State. Let's play um, yeah. Seattle. Let's play UMKC. Play all the. I know those WAC schools are in the middle of the country, but play. Any West Coast team play Rio Grande Valley, who's okay, but like play Cal Baptist. I don't know. Play every Big West school. Play every mm-hmm. play the bottom of the WCC. Play those teams. I don't know. They they probably could bring in Southland schools if you want to. I don't know how much it costs or SWAC schools. Like bring in teams they can win or play. I don't know what that might be a way to get some confidence. Like hey, yeah, we only went thirteen and seventeen, and they may win ten games in non-conference play, but they show they can win. Because yeah. if, if they can win games, like maybe that's their schedule was ripe to do that. But that's I think what they should do. It's just a tough spot. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like schedule down and in, in hopes of winning games, or try to keep a competitive schedule and just get annihilated? It, it's it's just it's a tough bridge to gap for this program, and it's just it's just a tough situation. Yeah, I think their schedule was good this year, but maybe even a slightly I don't know. It can't go much lower than what they did unless they play all Southland SWAC and A Sun teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I thought the non-conference schedule this year was set up pretty nicely for what mm-hmm. they wanted. They had that, um, again, the tournament mm-hmm. of, abroad in Bahamas. I thought that was good. And they had those home games, an opportunity to pick up some wins, which they did, and then finish finish off on the road against some quality opponents. I thought that's a pretty good way to do it. But, again, it was unsuccessful, and it was another really, really tough year for the Spartans. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, oh, what do you do? All right, let's get back to our, our picture quick. Should we do? Can we make these our official Final Four picks right now? Sure, let's do it. Official, so you can't change ever? Okay. Uh, no, we can change it for one. Here's um, – I'm sticking with my final four. Yeah. Okay. I, I've decided to do this. Let me pull up my bracket. Actually, oh, hold on. Before I do that, ESPN is a pretty good piece. There's all sorts of rankings. Like, oh, the top 68 teams. They have a, a, a piece right now ranking every tournament coaches as players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Number one is Chris Mullen. Not a shocker. Okay, yeah. Bobby Hurley, I think, number two. So – 
Uh, uh, really quick, the last one, Bruce Pearl. Pearl, oh, Pearl did not play basketball at high school. <laughs> he didn't? No, it says, um, no, he suffered a football injury his freshman year, preventing him from pursuing any athletics. Wow. So the reason he became a coach, because he eventually was a student assistant at Boston College, and then eventually was added to a Stanford staff. So he's number 68. Did not know that. That's interesting. And really quick, Scott Drew, not Bryce Drew, Scott Drew. Mm-hmm. Playing days ended with the university team of Valpo High in Indiana. Wow, <laughs> crazy! So that's crazy. Uh, that's uh, if you want to read that, it's uh, Craig Smith's really quick sixty-three. Musselman was forty-one. So okay, or excuse me, forty for Musselman. That's a fun list to look at. Look at and see. So <laughs> I am like I am making my picks here. I am going to go. Um, I need to tweak my bracket. So I tweeted the bracket the other day. I am going to have to delete that. I still think I am going to pick Nevada. To um, should I go with upset for Nevada Sweet Sixteen just because? If you want to, if I want to, that's not very confident saying to go for it. <laughs> um, sure, I, I, I'll go for it. I almost had Texas Tech in my final four. So I got. You have them. So who's your I final Texas four? Texas Tech in the final four. Yeah. Who, who you got? I have Duke coming out of the East. Okay. Uh, beating Maryland, which is my sleeper. I, I have Maryland going. Oh to boy! I'm Maryland losing <laughs> in the round one versus Belmont. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's a conflict of interest. That's interesting. Uh, Texas Tech beating Gonzaga to get to the Final Four mm-hmm. out of the West. I have Tennessee over Virginia in the South, and then North Carolina beating Kentucky in the Midwest to get to the Final Four. All right, here's what I got. I, I'm going with this bracket I'm staring at right now. I'll tweet out the right one. Sorry, folks, for my error the, the other night. Um, because especially our guy Daniel Conley is like Nevada two wins or one win. I'm like well, maybe. All right, I go with Duke over Michigan State, which I don't like Michigan State going that far, but I have them going that yeah. far. Yeah. I don't know. Should they beat Louisville or not? I, I thought about it. I thought about it. The reason I, I, that's that could be a toss up. The reason I have them that far because I like Belmont to win a couple games, and also mm-hmm. Yale beating LSU because they're a mess at the moment. I'm gonna say. Yeah, I got that too. And so it'd probably blow up in our face. But I'm like, I don't see Belmont <laughs> yeah. beating Michigan State either. So I'm like, well, they got they're gonna beat Belmont or whoever I think. So mm-hmm. Duke over Michigan State, Gonzaga over Texas Tech is super close for me on that one. And then I have a uh, Tennessee over Virginia, which Virginia going that far scares me too a little bit because mm-hmm. <laughs> they rarely don't go that far. And then I have Houston beating North Houston beating North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, that, that's solid. I see you have uh, two Texas teams in the uh, Final Four, don't you? No, no, I did not go with Texas Tech, no. I was close. Oh, oh you Gonzaga. had Gonzaga, right. Because yeah. Texas Tech's pretty good. No, Here's yeah. the thing with Houston, though, man. They, they'd have to be Kentucky and North Carolina. Yeah, it's it's tough. My other only kind of upsetty type stuff, um, I have Nevada winning two games, but I guess I'm sticking with that. I also like UC Irvine winning at least one game. I would, yeah, that's a tough matchup. I think Kansas State, they really struggle to score, and Dean Wade is injured. So I could see UC Irvine winning that game. And it's in California, too. Mm-hmm. What about Oregon-Wisconsin? Cause I have it... Oregon winning that game. Oh, man, because I have Wisconsin my Sweet 16. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Isn't Oregon a favorite right now in that game, too? Yeah, Oregon's favored by one. Yeah. I'm making a switch. I'm doing it right now. It's Oregon over Wisconsin. Then I got Oregon-UC Irvine. Whew. Oregon? I have Oregon going in the Sweet 16. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, twelve seed plus upsets? Um, people like Liberty, but I want Liberty to lose for various reasons, and one of them is not basketball. But they're going to lose to Virginia Tech, <laughs> or not Virginia Tech, excuse me, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember all fives won last year. That's right. Yeah. I, I think Murray State can win. I, I, I have them picked as well, but everyone else has them picked, and you know that never works out. I know because Marquette. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I also have um, any other crazy things. Um, 
Wolford winning is not, that's nothing. People like Northeast River, Kansas. I'm staying away from that forever. Um, I'm staying away from it, but I do not like that Kansas team at all. I am actually going to go to New Mexico State. <laughs> Ooh, man, good I, luck. <laughs> good luck to you. I've tried that. I don't know. I have not looked at Because if I do that, then I'd have Murray State, New Mexico State, Oregon. I'd have four of the five, three of the four, <laughs> 12. I can't go to New Mexico State. You're right. We talked for I'm going back to Auburn. Auburn versus Kansas, and then Kansas will win that one. Okay. Um, I guess the only weird part of my bracket, I guess, would say would be Belmont and Yale, and then Oregon, UC Irvine. I'll go UC Irvine. I'll go flip with you and put them Sweet 16. Okay. And right. then, what's, your, what, what's your weird stuff? Uh, Maryland to the lead eight is certainly weird. Yeah. I, I've Over the last 12 hours, I've lost confidence in Yale beating LSU a little bit. Why is that? But I also don't really care because I would have picked LSU to lose to Maryland anyway, so might as well just go for it. Why do you? I th- have, why, why do you think? What, L- what do you, what's your reason for LSU? Um, yeah, I just I, I'm not sold on LSU. I think they have a lot of distractions going on. Obviously, uh, I think it's Javante Smart is his name. He's he's been banged up as well. He's one of their best players, and I really like Yale too. I was about to, even prior to Selection Sunday, I was sold on picking Yale against whoever they were playing. And I think the Ivy League teams just usually play pretty well in this tournament. So I do have Yale winning that game, and then that makes Maryland easier to pick mm-hmm. in that second round game if they're playing a 14 seed. Oh, man, I tried to tweet a PDF. I can't tweet a PDF, apparently. Come on, Twitter. I was Come gonna, on, Twitter. I'll have to make a screenshot of that and send it out. Because I am making – I sent out a tweet the other day, last night actually, on Monday night. So my big changes are Nevada winning two games. Oh, boy. <laughs> hope hope you like me, the Wolfpack fans. <laughs> uh, and then those Final Four picks. Uh, Houston's a Houston's been around. The people have liked them to make the Final Four, possibly. Um, they got a solid team. I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I do have Iowa State beating them in the second round. Okay. All right. Anything else we need to mention about hoops besides check the website every second of the day because we're gonna add stuff all the time. That's right. Yeah, and there's going to be even in addition to the NCAA tournament stuff, we will have more off-season type stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. working on my extremely early 2019-2020 preview and predictions. Also, um, I might even post that today, the post on projecting which players from the Mountain West will put their name into the NBA draft class this year. I have four names right now that could do that. I'll tell you one name right now, folks, for free, Jalen McDaniels. (laughs) That's right. You don't think he's coming back? His name will be... uh... I don't want to steal your article, but I'll also give you my thoughts. Not really quick. Um, if his brother comes to town, he will stay. If not, he's gone. Yeah, that's yeah, same for me too. And his brother is um, next year, right? Yes. Yeah. So that time needs a little. Here's here's what I say: If he stays, his brother's coming for sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to predict. If he's gone and goes, I I know they shouldn't be related, but it just makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'll say about that. We'll leave the other three to go read. Uh, yeah, we'll have all sorts of off-season stuff. If these two teams win, we – I don't know if we could podcast again before that game. I don't know. We'll see. It is Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We may we'll play by year. We'll play by year. We'll have also some Q&A. Oh, we're going to do a great Q&A. You're going to answer some questions from Washington, right, on the site? That's right. Yep. And we're going to have our buddy Brandon Blake answer his own questions from Florida <laughs> and Nevada <laughs> because why not? Um, we'll, we'll have all sorts of stuff. We'll have predictions everywhere. We'll have previews. All the stuff you normally look for. And, yeah, we'll be back um, sooner than later to talk more about Mountain West Hoops. And, again, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, tune in. Anywhere you get your podcasts are found, we're there. And 
We'll see you next time.